Welcome to the Lift Podcast, where you'll discover how to achieve your goals by lifting others. I'm Richard Newman, keynote speaker, coach, author, and award-winning speechwriter. If you want to lead a more fulfilling life, this podcast will give you the tools to transform your career, mindset, and relationships. Join me and my esteemed guests as we explore the power of Lift. Hello and welcome back to the Lift Podcast. My name is Richard Newman and here we talk about how you can achieve your goals in life by lifting others. So who better to be speaking to than David Meltzer, the former CEO of the legendary Lee Steinberg Sports Agency, which was the inspiration for the movie Jerry Maguire, one of my personal favorites, and the co-founder of Sports One, arguably the most notable sports marketing firm in the world. David started with nothing and yet became a millionaire After just nine months out of law school, he was a multimillionaire at the age of 32. He then went broke uh, before he made it all back again. He is now a serial entrepreneur and number one best-selling author of the books Connected to Goodness and Compassionate Capitalism. His life's mission is to empower over 1 billion people to be happy. As part of that mission for the past 20 years, he's been providing free weekly trainings to empower others, to empower others around them to be happy. So David, thank you so much for being here. I want to dive straight in and ask you, what does happiness mean to you? It's such a great question. Happiness I've spent years to define in my life, and I've come up with this definition in meaning. Uh, and meaning is so important because meaning of the defined moments, these definitions are determinative upon the trajectory of what we think we want in the future. So my inherent definition of happiness is to enjoy the consistent, everyday, persistent, without quit, pursuit of my potential. Not other people's potential, not what they want for me, not what's missing, not what I don't have, but the key of knowing what I want in my potential every day, enjoying consistent, persistent pursuit. I joke around because Chris Gardner is a good friend of mine. He wrote the book, Pursuit of Happiness. Uh, he mm. did the movie with Will Smith, Pursuit of Happiness. And I tell Chris Gardner all the time, hey, buddy, you got the title of the movie wrong. He said, what are you talking about? Everybody should pursue happiness. I said, no, no, no. Happiness is the pursuit. And my entire paradigm shift of my life was to understand it is the pursuit and the enjoyment of that pursuit that truly defines my happiness. Wow. Yeah, that's fantastic. I like that uh, definition with enjoying the consistent pursuit of your potential. So I wonder for people listening in, and we have people who are ambitious, high achievers who like to listen to this podcast. Some of the times they ask me, well, you know, how do I know if it really is within my potential to, to be this or to achieve this thing? And when do you know that it's not there? So, so how do you know the limits of your potential? Well, I think it falls and reconciles within the context of the title of your show, Lift. Uh, because I have five daily practices uh, in a trajectory of what I think I want in the future. You see, if you understand time and the relativity and construct of time, meaning that the past is unlimited, only limited by the meaning, as I suggested before, of the defined moments of the historical analysis snapshots of my past. So my bankruptcy, for example, I lost over $100 million. And when I had to go tell my mom, not only that I went bankrupt, 
But the only reason I wanted to be rich was to buy her a house that I forgot to take the house out of her name. So not only did I have to tell her I went bankrupt, but I had to tell her she was moving. I had a different meaning for my bankruptcy than I do today, 14 years mm -hmm. later. 14 years later, it's the greatest thing that ever happened to me economically, the lessons that I've learned and the messages I received. So understanding the meaning of the unlimited past, but also how to utilize five daily practices to accelerate in a trajectory of the unlimited, which is the future, only limited by me, but today is limited by what? Time, 24 hours. So in this understanding, think about this. What I do every day is say this, what do I want today? Bite size, realistic activities today in a pursuit or a trajectory of what I think I want that's so big, outrageous and scary that not only does it scare the guy next to me on the plane when I tell him that my mission in the future is to empower over a billion people, to change the world, to create a collective consciousness of abundance, to teach people to make money, help people and have fun, but if he looked at my calendar today, what I want, who I can help, see, like you talked about the lift, right? Who I can help with mm -hmm. what I want, but also who can help me because that's part of the lift. I want to add a little bonus round to what you talk about in a lift. It's not just the fastest way to get what we want is to help somebody else get what they want, but it's also to find someone who's sitting in a situation that we want to be in and ask them for directions, giving equal value add to each party who benefit greatly by asking for help of others and receiving help from others. And then the how comes into play as a third component, a daily practice of how best to utilize time today an activity I planned, activity I don't have planned, my sleep, with lenses of productivity, of how much value am I providing, accessibility, of how accessible am I to others, and how am I accessing what I want, and gratitude. Finding the light, the love, and the lessons, the joy in the pursuit of my potential. Thus, now I know what's important to me today, bite-sized things today, that will lead me to an accelerated future in a grandiose, audacious mission of changing the world. And that prioritization is a confirmation that I know what's important to me today in that trajectory so that if I go outside of what's important to me today, I can course correct immediately with the prioritization process. Prioritization also is an antidote to procrastination and to feeling overwhelmed. People who prioritize correctly, know what's important to them, know what their potential is today in a pursuit of a potential that scares them, those people, they never can procrastinate and they never will feel overwhelmed because they always know what to do now. 100% of the things they do now mm. is the most efficient, effective, and statistically successful way to live your day because if you do it now, 100% of the things you do now get done. Now, instead of searching for your why, you're applying your why each day to see how much time, not that you're getting more happy, more healthy, more wealthy, more worthy. Instead, you're working from a premise, I am. I am happy, healthy, wealthy, and worthy. What am I doing to interfere with it? That's the key mm -hmm. component. So as I go through the activities of today, nothing should scare me. It's all realistic, it's pragmatic, it's utilizing time, 24 hours of it that we all share, but it's in a trajectory of this huge, outrageous, infinite potential that 
I don't even know if I have or not, but I know the only way I'll find out is to do everything I can efficiently, effectively with statistical success in that trajectory of the huge, outrageous objectives that I think I can achieve. Wow, great. So, I mean, and it does sound like a massive mission that you're on to help a billion people uh, to, to be happy. In what way do you feel that most people struggle with happiness? Oh, because they don't realize that they already are, right? They're in search of happiness instead of realizing mm. with faith that they are connected to an omniscient, all-powerful, all-knowing source of happiness, of abundance. And they lose their faith or they spend too much time outside of faith that there's something bigger than them that loves them more than their mom. So when pain arises, setbacks, failures, and mistakes happen, they immediately think they're being punished. They're like three-year-olds who reach out to go touch the stove when it's burning hot, and their mommy slaps the back of their hand and screams at them, no, and they start to cry and ask their mom, why are you punishing me? Why did you hit me? Why did you yell at me? And the mom hugs them and says, Oh, no, 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 I'm protecting you. You just don't know what the stove is going to do to you. You see, when you receive pain, setbacks, failures, and mistakes in your life, there's a source that's bigger than you, that's omniscient, all-knowing, and omnipresent, even knows more than your mom, and even loves you more than your mom. So when you're getting slapped and yelled at by your life, just know you're being protected and promoted. You just are ignorant mm -hmm. And humble, you don't know what you don't know. So when the business deal doesn't go through, you didn't close on the property you thought you were going to close on, you didn't get into the school or the job that you wanted so bad, I'm just being protected and promoted. I just don't know mm. there's something better for me. So most people live their lives being punished instead of being happy with faith that they're being protected and promoted, not punished. Mm. It, I was, it reminds me of, I was listening to Jamie Kern Lima speak uh, just recently, and she was saying that, you know, you need to thank the universe for the closed doors as well as the open doors, uh, because it, there is that sense of that protection. So I, I love how that uh, matches with what she said there. Uh, you teach a course that's called The Road to Revenue and Happiness. How do you see these connected? And do you see people have any, any, any challenges with like pursuing revenue or pursuing happiness and not, not feeling like uh, those are working together? It's so funny because there's a great reconciliation. My motto is make a lot of money, help a lot of people, and have a lot of fun. And in fact, I sponsored my kid's high school football team. And on the scoreboard, the school would not put my motto. They changed it around. Help a lot of people, have a lot of fun, and make a lot of money. And what they don't realize in the reconciliation of the understanding of money. I lived a, for, a, for half of my life, money buying happiness and love and, the, and realizing that actually money is important because it allows you to shop, but you need to shop for the right things and then you'll be happy. If you shop for the wrong things, you'll be very unhappy. And so you can't you know, buy things to be happy, buy more things to be happy, buy things to impress people, buy things to impress people you don't like. But when you build community centers and you empower your children with money and educate and health and water and financial literacy and a variety of other things that you can buy with money, you can be extremely happy with it. So what I've determined is to teach people three things that reconcile money and happiness, this road to revenue and abundance and happiness. And the first is just simple appreciation, right? When we appreciate something, it adds value to it. It expands. 
Your house appreciates, it goes up. Your car, diamonds, watches, you want them to appreciate. But you've been given a gift of appreciation. You can find the light, the love, and the lessons in every person, everything, every circumstance, and every event. So I teach the first step to the road to revenue and happiness is to appreciate everything you have. The second step is called acknowledgement. Acknowledgement is to acquire the knowledge of what you've had. Now, there's only one way to acquire the knowledge of what you have, and that is to not have it anymore. Now, most people, like my mom, determine that the only way you can't have what you had before is to give it away. And so they come up with these sayings that just aren't true in a value-add, abundant world of more than enough of everything for everyone. And they teach you, the more you give, the more you'll receive. Well, I'm sorry to say the world is not a zero-sum game. There's no trade negotiation uh, or quid pro quo of happiness and abundance. You either believe there's more than enough or you believe there's just enough or not enough. And I am determined to have the faith that I am living in a value add world where when I ask for help, it adds as much value to the person I'm asking to help as it does to me. Proven Mm -hmm. by the fact that if you ask anyone, hey, when you help that person, how do you feel? And they said, great. That's why I love to give. But they're counterintuitive in the practice of acknowledgement because acknowledgement means that I can only acquire the knowledge, gain the appreciation of what I had by not having it anymore. Therefore, it's not just what I give. It could be what I've lost, what was stolen from me, what was manipulated or cheated from me. In fact, some people would argue there's even more value when it's not given away. When I lose it, when I was manipulated, stolen, or cheated from me because I also have acquired some lessons to fill up my vessel even further. So I'm expanding at all times through appreciation. I'm emptying my expanded vessel by acknowledgement of giving by allowing things to be lost, stolen, cheated, or manipulated from me, but as long as I gain the lesson. And then the third component is the one that most people fall down or misinterpret why they spend their entire lives giving away, like my mom, her health, her happiness, her wealth, and her worthiness for her children and her community, and then end up with nothing except for needing other people to give their health, their wealth, and worthiness to her, something that diminishes her own ego, her own essential being. So instead, what do I teach people? Appreciate, expands. Acknowledge, empty the vessel, but make sure you ask. That's the third Mm. component. You got to wish, hope, ask for more, because when you wish, hope and ask, you're showing faith that there's more than enough. You are actually active in the other side of infinity. You're active in participating in a perception of value add of more than enough. When you live in the world of trade negotiation and quid pro quo of winners and losers, comparison, judgments and conditions of competition, you're actually living in a scarce world. Those people that only give to receive are living in scarcity, not abundant. Those people that Mm. go ahead and do everything they can to appreciate what they have, they acknowledge it by giving it away, letting it. the lessons come from the losses, the manipulations and the thefts but most importantly, have radical humility in asking for help and helping others, oh, now they're living in abundance and happiness. This is the road to revenue. That's why you got to make money to help people, to have fun. 
Nobody can deny the fact that the more money you have in the right intention, that you can help more people by having more money and have more fun by having more money if you shop for the right things with your money. Mm. It's great to hear you talk about this this message of, of giving and not just giving to receive, but giving because that's that's a good thing to do. You, you like you feel good by doing it, and it's it's a great piece coming especially from you where you've been through that stage of hitting rock bottom financially, which I'm sure so many people live in fear of that moment happening. You know, we've got this issue at the moment with in, inflation happening, and you know whatever the war in Ukraine is doing to the economy, and people just worried in general about money and where's the future going. So so maybe if you could share. What is the biggest lesson that it taught you hitting rock bottom financially and then coming back to this position of saying, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to give to receive. I'm just going to give. What lesson did you gain that powered that state of mind? So the lesson is the four steps of what I call uh, getting out of your own way uh, of having faith, of shifting my paradigm of, you know, I'm not going to try to get more wealthy. I am wealthy. I'm going to clear the interference between me and my wealth, my abundance. Uh, and so in order to do so, I came up with these four steps. And this is what I learned. One, I'm consistently in the practice of identifying interference, of identify. And I spell interference, by the way, I-N-T-E-R-F-E-A-R-A-N-C-E, interference, because fear is what interferes with me. And I identify it and define it when I do things in fear, say things in fear, think things in fear, believe things in fear, and feel th things in fear. So I identify the needs of the ego, the conscious uh, egotistical environment of fear, which is, hey, one, identify fear, the need to be right, the need to be separate, the need to be inferior, superior, the need to be offended, the need to be resentful, the need to be guilty, the need to be anxious, frustrated, angry, all of these are identifiable actions, words, thoughts, beliefs, and feelings that can be identified. And then the second thing when I practice identify is not to resist it, to logic it, analyze it, to go over it, under it, through it, around it, to lie to it, manipulate it, or cheat it, or even deny it like most people do. But when I identify fear, I simply stop. And I put myself and drop down to ease, to center, to my higher self, to utilize the fear as appropriate. What does that mean? There's two ways to utilize fear. One is fear is a great motivator, meaning fear can get you up, it can get you started, it can get you back up, and it can get you back started, but it ain't gonna get you there. So if I identify the fear, and need to utilize it to get me up to go work out, to get me started on a diet, to get me, you know, to go visit my mom, right? Guilt, for example, is a fear, right? The need to feel guilty, that'll go get me to mm -hmm. see my mom all the time. But it's not going to get me there. What's going to get me there is when I identify it in a different utilized format, which is to be inspired to get out of my own way to clear the interference. So in order to do so, I identify fear, I drop down to center or neutral, and then in order to determine how to utilize the fear, I remind, remember, and recollect what I want today 
in the trajectory of what I think I want in the future, who I can help with what I want and who can help me, how best to get it done with the lenses of productivity, with the lenses of accessibility and the lenses of gratitude in order to determine what to do now, to know my now, to prioritize what's important to me, determine upon the what, the who, and the how. I now know what's important to me and I can prioritize what to do now, knowing 100% of the things I do now get done. And it's the most efficient, effective, and statistically successful way to utilize my 24 hours of today. And if I know my what, my who, and my how, and my now, I now can apply my why. I'm not in search of the why. And when I apply Mm -hmm. that why, I'm happy. Because as we started Mm -hmm. this interview and adequately we'll talk about, what is the definition of happiness? Applying your why. Enjoying the consistent every day, persistent without quit, pursuit of my potential. Not what other people want, but what I want. Not what's missing, but I want. Not what I don't want, but what I want and who I can help and who can help me. Because remember, the fastest way to get to what you want is to help someone get what they want or have someone help you get what you want. It's that simple. Then you have a direct path on the productivity, accessibility, and gratitude, enabling you to prioritize what's important to you and getting more done. Mm. Yeah, well, that's a, a wonderful process, those four steps of getting out, out of your own way. And uh, I can imagine some people, when that fear steps in uh, for them, that they are maybe less comfortable or less practiced uh, than you of sort of identifying it and being able to not resist it and just sort of sit there uh, with this piece, which I believe is connected to what Carl Jung would say is, you know, identify the shadow and just sit there and allow yourself to be comfortable with this piece. Is there a place that you'd say where people's ego can hinder them from that piece where maybe the fear comes in and, and their ego traps them where they are rather than allowing themselves to get forwards? Absolutely. And I always say that, you know, I go back to early advice, simple advice to change my life. Like, you know, one of the lessons I learned when I was three, say thank you, right? I teach people to say thank you before they go to bed and when they wake up. Uh, This is one of those. My mom taught me when I was little, when you're on fire, stop, drop, and roll. So I go by the innate, not only just intelligence, not just intuition, but inspiration of when I feel So I don't even have to identify the exact need of the ego. When I identify my mind, my body, or soul are on fire, instead of, you know, running and resisting and putting, I just stop. I drop down to center and I roll into the right trajectory of what I want with the what, the who, the how, and the now. And so when you're on fire, practice stopping, dropping, and rolling. And know that it's a practice. You said that, Richard, early on, right? Can you help people practice? I'm on a 16-year journey of practice. I now am able to spend minutes and moments in ego-based consciousness, minutes and moments in fear. But when I started 16 years ago with this enjoyment of the consistent, persistent pursuit of my potential to be in my why, to apply my why, I spend days, weeks, months, even years in the ego-based consciousness, especially certain ones like the need to be offended. I've spent years in the need to be offended. And here's the saddest thing about the need to be offended. It feeds itself so easily. If you have the need to be offended, walk outside your office door right now. Boom, 
you'll be offended for something if you have the need for it. Well, I had a tremendous need to be offended. I wish I could feed the world and have a great, great as need to feed the world as I did to feed the need to be offended. And it would be as easy to feed because the whole world would be fat if I could do that. Mm. Yeah, tremendous. There's so much uh, good stuff that you've got to share here. And I know that you've got uh, lots of resources you like to share with these free trainings you give out each week and, and on your website. If people want to learn more from you so they can uh, you know, support you on that mission to make sure that a billion people are happy, where can they find you? Where can they stay connected? Well, you know, I always say if it's free, it's we. So email me. There's two ways. One, email me directly. I send my book for free. I sign it. I ship it. I pay for shipping. I have free trainings, free coaching, all the things I do. Just email me. David is my first name at my first initial D, last name Meltzer, like Seltzer with an M, David at dmeltzer.com. Or just Google me. I'm blessed to have, you know, a pretty big following and a pretty big brand. So if you Google David Meltzer, you'll find me everywhere. Or you can email me directly, David at dmeltzer.com. Fabulous. Thank you so much, David. I'm sure lots of people will be getting in touch to, uh, to keep learning from you. Uh, so for now, that's it. Uh, that's all we have time for on the Lift Podcast today. Thank you so much for listening. And I look forward to seeing you again on the next episode of Lift. Lift.